She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. An X-Files adjacent podcast. In search of... Deadly Ants. This episode was written and produced by Alex Pomanzanoff, edited by Art Stafford, with assistance by March Kessler, and, of course, is hosted and narrated by Leonard Nimoy. And as we've discussed previously, this likely aired sometime around April 1978 and could vary by more than a month in some geographic areas. So we don't have a date. We do not. Millions of years before the dawn of man, ants had learned to live in large, complex societies. They had also mastered the art of war. Since their sources of food were much larger than themselves, they killed their prey by strategic attack. Today, a highly aggressive, often deadly breed of ant threatens to spread like a plague throughout much of the United States. Dun, 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 Fire ants. They're named for their painful burning sting. Fire ants will quickly devour nearly anything. Fire ants attack their victims only in large groups. They're multiplying quickly, and there is no known way to stop them. <gasps> in search of deadly ants. Oh. Oh. conjecture. I really, they had a thing going, fire ants, fire ants, fire ants. It should, should have been like, fire ants are multiplying quickly, and there's no, <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. I actually remember this being a thing, fire ants, way more than I remember killer bees being a thing. I remember oh, yeah. fire ants being like a topic of discussion. So, also, this episode made me super itchy when I was rewatching it to write the notes. Oh. Yeah. Oh, my God. Me too. So itchy. And I watched it right before bed, which not a good decision. Also, I watched it right after. So, like, Tuesday, I was in the kitchen and I looked down and there's just, like, this line of ants in my kitchen, like, walking to the pantry. And I'm like, oh, my God. And so, like, I opened the pantry and I have, like, cases of, like, Gatorade and water and stuff on the bottom of my pantry. Anyway. They were like all going in there and I was like, fuck. So I pulled all the stuff out and there was like one piece of like dried mango that had fallen down mm, in there. Mm, and mm. they were all, yeah, crowded around. It just made me think of Archer. Like, that's how you get ants. And I was like, fuck. Because I had ants last year too. And like, it took me forever to get rid of them. So like this time I cleaned everything. I scrubbed the floor. They were for some reason in my laundry closet, which is in my kitchen. I don't know. I was like, I don't even know how you're getting in. But and I could not see where they were coming in from. So I called my apartment manager and they're like, okay, well, pest control will be there next Tuesday. So they're actually coming this Tuesday to spray again like they did last year. But I have this enzyme cleaner I use to clean up cat messes. It's called Nature's Miracle. And so after mm -hmm. trying to like kill them with like vinegar and stuff, I was like, I'm just going to try this because it's an enzyme thing. And it it worked like it not only got rid of all of them, they haven't come back. And so, like, I think just the enzyme fucks up their little pheromones, like the enzyme cleaner. And so they just are they've they're totally gone. So I'm just really impressed by that. So if you have an ant problem, I don't know. Maybe if you have Nature's Miracle, give it a shot. It's not cheap, but like it seems to have done the job for now. And um, yeah, 
ants are gross and I'm not ever excited to see them inside my house. So after that experience, I got to watch this episode. So that was really fun timing. Mm, I wonder if they tried nature's miracle for the fire ants. Yeah, probably. I don't know if it would work the same way. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe she sprayed it all over their hills. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, and then it would smell like someone cleaned up cat barf all over mm-hmm. the country. Yes, so, it would. Yeah, yeah, stuff does not smell good, but it fucking works. So. so before we begin, I do have a quick update. Some listeners who read the show notes may already know this if they listened to our episode on Haunted Castles and read those notes. In that episode, we were talking about J. Francis Hitching and how he had been in the Loch Ness episode. And I mentioned about Monster Talk's opening theme and how it was really mm-hmm. bugging me that I didn't know where the Loch Ness monster part was coming through. So I did get an email from Blake answering my question. I got it like the day that the episode came out. So I added it into the show notes after it came out. My podcast doesn't. Like it refuses to update the show notes. I'm would probably I delete the episode and re-download it. It still wouldn't update it. I'd probably have to unsubscribe and redo it. It won't it won't refresh. It's like stuck in cache or something. So depending on when you listen to the episode, you might not have seen the note and got the link. But it's from an advertising trailer for the 1975 movie called The Mysterious Monsters. And there was a link in those show notes, and I'll put it in this show notes as well. So you can watch that little it's like a two-minute something trailer. Okay. So yeah. You can cool. check it out if you want to. But yeah, that's what it's from. So I don't know that I saw that, but maybe I did. It was actually released in theaters. So, but I mean, things that were released in theaters and were later shown on television. So I don't know if I saw that Mysterious Monsters or not, but I that guy was probably someone, that voice was totally familiar. So that may be part of it too. So, yeah. Yeah. And I meant to good. bring this up when we recorded Butch Cassidy, but I was running on about eight hours sleep across three days and whew, I forgot. So, yeah, yeah, man, we need like to win the lotto and have a year off. <laughs> <clears throat> well, <laughs> I don't know. We've taken some time off already. I don't know if you mean yeah. like from working and we. Just no, can't... I mean from working. I don't mean from the podcast. Okay. I just mean okay, to rest yeah. up because, like, I know I personally just need a break. But that's People okay. Are already like, hey, can you be a little more consistent with the podcast? So, no, yeah, it's not it's not the podcast I want to take a break from. It's just having to work for a living and pay bills. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So we watched Leafcutter Ants, the farmers of the jungle, traveling down a vine in quote, tropical jungles of Central and South America, and are told a single colony transports up to a ton of leaves per year to its underground city. And this looks really cool because you can like you do see the leaves moving and it does look like they're walking and they're like these little tiny. I don't know. I thought it looked really cool. That was like my favorite part of the episode, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Little green leaves marching down a vine. I don't know. It's adorable. The fungus that grows on the leaves provides the colony its single source of food. Ants are strong, are old and better equipped to adapt to a changing environment than many other creatures. And then we hear about different ants. So Aztec ants live in the hollow branches of the Cecropia trees. They have powerful mandibles and a stinging bite. If the tree is disturbed in any way, they will attack in mass, including errant vines that may fall against the tree. So if a vine happens to swing against the tree, they're all going to rush out and like kill it with fire. Fuck up that vine. Or with their mandibles or whatever. And then a disclaimer appears on the screen that reads, 
Portions of this program have been photographed under controlled conditions. Mm. Just, just so you know. So don't maybe go trying to get video footage of ants attacking a vine. Maybe not a good good idea. We are told that anteaters rarely disturb cecropia trees. Mm. Army ants are among the most feared predators of the jungle. They are mobile colonies that create temporary living nests by linking their hooked legs together to form hanging walls that protect the queen inside, which does Ooh. look kind of cool. And their little hooked legs, it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of neat to see them like hooked together. They're kind of like those like barrel of monkey monkeys. They just like, <laughs> hook together in like these long chains. It's pretty neat. Each day, hundreds of raiding parties search for prey. Encounters with rival species of army ants result in deadly battles. And once prey is found, it's paralyzed by hundreds of stinging bites and then dissected to be brought back. Whoa. There are other kinds of deadly ants. Solitary hunters, the nearly inch-long predaceous ant, can incapacitate prey many times its size. Its venom is deadly, and a single sting can paralyze or even kill a grown man. And Ooh. an inch-long ant? Fuck you. Get yeah, the, no. I'm not going in the jungle. No, uh -uh. thank you. Uh-uh. In the U.S., ants are a nuisance. They just, like, ruin picnics and shit. But a tiny red ant, the fire ant, is about to change all that. In the south, earthen mounds populate open fields. And they are inhabited by fire ants with sharp mandibles and stinging bite that gives them their name. The mound is only the tip of the colony that can extend to 20 feet below the ground. Specialized worker ants do nothing but build and repair the colonies. Once begun, within three years, a mound can reach a height of three feet tall and contain up to a quarter million fire ants. Oof. That is a lot of ants. Mm -hmm. Within the mound, specialized ants move eggs up and down the colony to keep them in the warmest locations as they develop. It's like they move them up towards the top when it's sunny and then move them down at night so they stay warm because it gets cold. And then other specialized ants store food and others clean the colony and others stand in constant defense. The slightest disturbance of the mound instantly brings thousands of biting, stinging ants to the surface. They are also relentless predators that attack in mass and have been known to delay an attack until sufficient numbers have arrived. Oh, creepy. Wherever fire ants have spread, they have quickly eradicated the native species. Some areas of the south now contain more than 200 fire ant mounds per acre. And in the U.S., fire ants have no natural enemies. And at present, there is no way to stop them <gasps> no commercial we're doomed uh-huh yep yeah today's fire ants infest more than 150 million acres in nine southern states obviously today is like 1978 they arrived in Mobile, Alabama sometime between 1933 and 1945, which is a very large window 
for their arrival, but I guess we wouldn't have. A way we to were busy down. between 1933 and 1945. We, we had were. a depression yeah. and we had a war, so yeah, people weren't maybe paying attention to ants. I don't know, but yeah, that is kind of funny. They were probably hidden in the cargo of a freighter from Brazil, their native habitat. By the 1950s, they were a major problem for farmers. Their mounds impeding and damaging equipment and infesting bales of hay that made them useless as feed for animals. Field laborers were frequently attacked and stung, and young farm animals were even killed when straying into infested pastures. <sighs> so they launched a chemical war against the fire ant, and virtually every known pesticide was used, and yet the fire ants continued to multiply and spread. Hmm. A fleet of converted B-52 bombers was used to spread a new insecticide contained in tiny bait pellets, Mirex. The campaign was called the Vietnam of Entomology. It lasted years and cost millions. When it was over, there were more fire ants than before. So it worked just as well. Yeah, it was, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the Vietnam comparison is apt. Whoops. Nearly 4,000 new insecticides have been tested at the U.S. Department of Agriculture's labs. So far, none have proved both safe and effective. So they probably have some that are effective, but would probably <laughs> kill people too. So mm -hmm. that's good. I was thinking, like, they didn't mention DDT at all. So, that's, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if they tried that or not. Anyway, one reason halting the spread of fire ants is so difficult is that each colony produces multiple winged queens, which then take flight. A cloud of winged male ants await them in the sky. Each fertilized queen then establishes a new colony wherever she may land, which may be several hundred feet or even miles from her original mound. And within a month, a new colony is formed. For the rest of her life, the queen will do nothing but lay eggs. Millions of them. Ooh. Yeah. And we see imagery throughout the episode of like just like open fields where there's like just scores of mounds in an open field it's like mm -hmm. almost like like a gopher attack like just gopher holes everywhere mm -hmm. so but big, those are all big fire ant mounds and each one is a colony Whew. scientists have isolated the queen's pheromone and hope to use it to control the fire ant spread they put them on a on a piece of wood and then the ants go oh piece of wood and they carry it back to the colony and treat it like the queen it's kind of funny but like okay well, that's great but they figure well, like maybe we when we come up with something and actually kill them maybe <laughs> we can do like you know trojan horse on them and then send it in and then they all die but they apparently haven't figured that part out yet yeah parasitic mites sometimes infest fire ants but scientists have been unable to find a way to use this in an effective manner to halt fire ants from spreading and also like don't like bring a new like pest to take care of a pest because then that's going to become a <laughs> pest and mites are worse because they're tiny and that image was just it haunts me just now because they show an ant covered in mites mm -hmm. and it just looks like the ant is covered in like pustules but it's yeah. mites and it's like oh i did not need to see that and also like don't like, say, like, you know what we need to do? We need to breed a bunch of mites to kill these ants. No, because then what are those mites going to do when all the ants are gone? They're exactly. going to suddenly decide they like people. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. 
the venom from a fire ant stinger. So fire ants, they have, my wife didn't realize this either. So they, they bite, they have like razor mandibles, right? So they bite you and that fucking hurts, but they ha- they're like wasps. They have a stinger. They're uh-huh. like one of 20 species that have like a stinger. So they actually literally sting you as well. And that's what is the big thing. And that is similar to what is found in poisonous plants. So it's very like acidic and everything. So the ant first bites you with its mandibles and then it injects you with poison from the stinger. And the result is a painful pustule, which lasts for several days. And then we get to the fun part of the episode (laughs) and we get to see a human arm covered in hundreds of these and hear a dog whining. And you're like, no, no. And they show us a puppy that was attacked. Super sweet. And then we see legs of cattle covered in stings. And we're like, we get it. You can stop now. Got it (laughs) done. But no, <laughs> then they show an image of a woman who fell on a mound and was stung hundreds of times and like all over her face and her arms and everything. And then we see a picture of an elderly woman who was stung by ants that came through the window of her convalescent home and stung her and she barely yeah. survived. And that's really fucked up because why did they come in the window? Like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Ooh. And they make sure to zoom in when they hit barely survive. It's like, <laughs> she barely survived. Zoom. So, yeah, I didn't need to see any of those, honestly. Nope. There's not the puppy. God damn it, man. I mean, the puppy, puppy looked like it was okay, but yeah. Yeah, but you hear, you, like, you see this dude's arm all covered in welts and shit, and then you hear, like, and you're like, no! I know. So, I Yeah. As the fire ant has spread, it has taken a human toll. People have died from complications such as gangrene, which has developed from fire ant stings. The elderly, the allergic, and people with circulatory problems are especially vulnerable to the venom. Mm. The list of victims will undoubtedly grow. The fire ant is multiplying and spreading at an incredible rate. Today, fire ants are sweeping westward and also to the north. They are moving through Texas and are expected to reach California. If a fertilized queen should land aboard a cross-country truck or stow away in someone's camping gear, they could quickly infest vast new areas. Scientists have projected that the region as far northwest as Seattle, Washington, is destined to be infested by fire ants. <gasps> I know. Oh. Yeah, they show the space needle, and you're like, "Oh wait, that's Seattle!" <laughs> and they're like, "Scientists are projecting." You're like, "Oh fuck!" Mm-hmm. In the Northeast, even New York City may someday be plagued by the ant. And then we see a young horse that is limping through a field full of ant mounds, and like its back leg is definitely like messed up, and it's limping. And then I remember that they had the thing about how like some of this photography may have been like basically staged and i'm like you did not fucking do that on purpose so you would have imagery of a horse. you better not have fucking done that so you had imagery of a horse they probably didn't because if you know they're prominent in certain areas it's probably pretty easy to find yeah but i was like mm. anyway wherever fire ants spread they will leave their mark on those unlucky enough to encounter them the scientific name of the fire ant is Solenopus invicta. It means the unconquered ant. <gasps> Commercial. <laughs> 
And there's more narration. He just keeps. I know going. that sounds like a place to stop. <laughs> that sounds like a that sounds like a winner right there. Like that's your yeah. boom nailing it. But nope. Yeah, they got they got a little more time to fill. So you know, the struggle between man and insects is as old as man himself. We have rarely, if ever, gained the advantage. In the short time that fire ants have inhabited the United States, they have undergone evolutionary changes. They have quickly adapted themselves to better survive and exploit their environment. Special colonies have been found containing not one, but as many as 20,000 queens. It was recently discovered that some fire ants have adapted their bodies to store food for better survival in cold temperatures. 60 years ago, an entomologist wrote, Since the world began, we have never exterminated we probably never shall exterminate as much as one single insect species. If there was ever an example of an insect we cannot destroy, the fire ant is it. <gasps> and now it's over. Dun, yeah. Dun, 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 dun. yeah. So firstly, kind of already mentioned they really should have ended on that commercial break like that was your closing narration right there like they do that a lot they have like some killer closing narration like boom like drop the mic shit boom and then they're like and now we're back and you're like what what are you doing why are you back secondly i went looking for that quote because of course i did i eventually found it or some version of it because it was probably misquoted which would not be surprising in a publication simply titled annual report by the Illinois Farmers Institute Department of Household Science, which quotes a paper, Entomological Work at the University, read by Professor S.A. Forbes, who is the state entomologist and dean of the College of Science, likely at the State University of Illinois, which is where the Illinois Farmers Institute resided. This was published in 1897, which is off by about 20 years from in search of 60 years ago, but the quote is, we have never exterminated anywhere a single insect species, and probably we never shall. It's actually an interesting read, and I was tempted to read out the first few paragraphs to put it in context, but there's a link in the show notes if you want to look at it. It's on page 28. The link should take you directly to that page, but if you want to read it, you can. Annual report, Illinois Farmers Institute Department of Household Science, 1897. Nice. So, so they kind of, they like added shit to that quote like moves it around and made it longer anyway this is not to say that someone 20 years later didn't paraphrase forbes and this is what in search of is referencing but i could find no version of it as spoken in in search of that wasn't someone directly quoting in search of itself <laughs> and even that was kind of rare and only seemed to be one person on the internet who goes by the name ant Okay. and posted in several tech forums in the mid 2010s and used it in their sig line <laughs> So, okay all right well and i've got some samples of, of their posts that you can look at in the show notes <laughs> um at the alt tv tech hdt on google forums and on pc banter and then on the mozilla sea monkey support forums so yeah interesting that does not mean that the quote doesn't exist just because i couldn't find it maybe i just couldn't find it it wasn't digitized or something who knows but based on past experience i'm more likely to believe that alex pomansonoff is not the most rigorous of researchers when it comes to the accuracy or validity of citations so 
And then sometimes we complain about them padding episodes, but this is one where I kind of wish they had because like we need some clips from them, like the giant ant movie from 1958, 58. Oh, I'm pretty yeah. sure it's 58. Anyway, like how do you do an episode on deadly ants and not immediately go to a movie about giant radioactive ants? Like, come on. Plus Leonard Nimoy has an uncredited role in that movie that involves strange phenomena. Ooh, spooky. He shows up 54 minutes and 15 seconds into the movie, and his scene lasts until 54 minutes and 49 seconds. And he has oh. he talks and everything. He gets to do stuff. And then also to prove that I can't help myself, in that scene, he pulls some wire copy off a wire copy machine and then reads it until you see it on screen. And then he goes over and hands it to a woman, and they talk about it for a little bit. And then we see her stamp it as strange phenomena, flying saucers. But it's not the same one that he handed her because the one that's stamped and is then later sent to our main character, Marshall, Matt Dillon, and Chris Kringle, has an overwritten typo on it. Where, like, they were typing the word his, and they typed H-I-A, and then they overtyped the A with an S, so it said his. And so, but the original that he reads, it doesn't have the stamp, does not have that typo. So... You know, when the strike is over, someone needs to hire me, and I will make sure that you don't do that kind of stuff on your movies. <laughs> there you go. Hire Nick. He's good at these things. Yeah. There are over 200 species of the genus Solenopsis, but most are slow-moving and unable to sting. Only about 20 species are considered to be fire ants. Of those, Solenopsis invicta is the one imported to the U.S. and commonly known as the red imported fire ant, or R-I-F-A. Rifa. Rifa, yeah. yeah. I don't know if they say Rifa, but you say R-F. I think they would probably say Rifa, because that's easier to say than R-I-F-A. But yeah, don't know. Never know. It is one of the top 100 invasive species on the planet. And there's a cool interactive map of its distribution on antmaps.org. <laughs> I mean, the internet might be a hot mess these days, but I'm glad things like antmaps.org can exist. That's good. Yep. And there's a link in the show notes. And you actually look at all kinds of ants in their distribution, but this is cool. And it actually has not only to have like color-coded distribution of it, there's actually like locational data so you can click on it and it'll tell you, like, yes, there was an ant located at this site, and it gives you, like, the latitude and longitude of the location, too, so you can actually know where it actually was found. And stuff like that. so it's kind of cool. And then also, according to Google Translate, Invicta means invincible, not unconquerable, which is similar but different. I don't know. It seems like one of those things that in translation you're making those kinds of calls. I can see you maybe sourcing it up and going with unconquerable. I don't know. You can be invincible and be conquerable, and you can be unconquerable and get fucked up. So, yeah, that's true. Anyway, Solenopsis does not mean ant. Nick apparently cannot figure out what it means. He couldn't find it on the internet. Mm -mm. Formica means ant, and ants are under the family Formicidae. So, Formicidae Invicta would be invincible ants, sort of. But, I mean, you can play the game where you keep translating back and forth and hit on something that sticks. And you get Invicta Formica, the Invincible Ant, or Invicta Formicae, Invincible Ants. Yeah. So, you might be thinking to yourself, well, 
why do they call that stuff they make countertops out of why is it called formica if formica means ant yeah that's a good question <laughs> do i want to know the answer i don't know if i want to know the answer it's <laughs> it's kind of funny it's kind of a dad joke in a way actually because the composite resin that would be named formica it was created in 1912 as a replacement for insulating materials so like on wiring in the early days they were using like like almost like a fiberglassy stuff called mica and so this was a replacement for mica oh. seriously that's why they named it for mica although to be fair the resin is created using a formaldehyde derivative that is from formic acid which is named formic acid because it was an initially derived from ants now they chemically create it but initially they had derived it from ant venom oh. and so there are layers to that but it specifically says like that they named it for mica because it's a replacement for mica so that's hilarious i love that and that you know yeah. i've never known that i just know like a four mica counter or whatever so hmm. yeah hmm. learning stuff all the time from this podcast and that's just Not because it. like does solenopsis invicta mean the unconquerable ant? And then, like, I, I I could not figure out what solenopsis means. And solenopsis, there's, when you go through all the classifications, it's one of those ones where, and I can't remember which one comes before. But, like, if you're if you're going through and naming all the different names, like, if you're starting with, like, you know, kingdom and all that kind of stuff, blah, 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 blah. Like, solenopsis actually is a double one. So it's, like, solenopsis, solenopsis invicta. So there's, like, is it, the genus name is solenopsis, but then, like, whatever is right before that is also solenopsis so it's one of those weird ones but yeah, yeah. but i was like does it mean that and <laughs> i could not and i even checked to see if it was one of the, i couldn't imagine it was because this is like the official name for it and i know like you get sometimes you get those unofficial names where people name things that aren't really like official where they kind of mix greek and latin together so I was checking to see if maybe that was a Greek word, but Greek I couldn't get a translation either. So I'm sure it means something and just like Google Translate doesn't know. Oh, or yeah, it could be for sure. Exactly, it could be someone's name too. I mean, that's yeah. something and they just add it. They, put that little, they do that a lot, but then they still kind of like Latinize it. They'll put like the the uh or the, the a on the end, the a-e, mm. like different things. So just a Latinizing it up so it matches the way they do this. But yeah, I could not find anything for that. So yeah. Anyway. Yeah. You read me a quote and give me a translation, and I'm going to check your ass. <laughs> so. That was Deadly Ants from the man who brought us killer bees. The man who brought us killer bees and earthquakes and <laughs> Amelia Earhart. And yeah, he's had some better ones. I don't know. I Anastasia. Mean, this is... So, this one yeah. didn't I mean it's it's good information. It's funny because like I do have red ants all over here uh where I live. I don't know if they're fire ants though, because they just live in little mounds, like dirt mounds, and they're pretty small. And so they don't seem mm. like the same thing. I don't I, I don't remember seeing that they have got well, because there's different there's like twenty there's like twenty species of fire ants, so they might not right. be this one. I don't remember I didn't look them all up, but on the map, I don't believe that the Invictas are in Nevada currently. They have made yeah. it to California. Yes. They haven't really gone much past the south. They, they're up into North Carolina, which they already were. Um, they're in Missouri, which I don't think they were originally, but they've been pretty. But what's nice about that map, too, it tells you, like, well, this one has been reported, but we don't have verification. And they have ones that are like, it was a misreporting, you know, it was the wrong species, but they still oh, put it on cool. there for the color. So it's really cool. 
apparently this species of fire ant right now is just fucking up the Caribbean. Oh um, man. It is it's gone down there. And then they actually thought it had infested Australia, but that's actually a different ant, it turns out. So okay. originally they had thought that this this species had like hopped up like a you know a boat basically and went to Australia, but it turned out it was actually a different species. Well so. that's good, I guess. Yeah. Australia doesn't need more deadly annoying things. Seems like they have their fair share. Yeah. So apparently the only predators that this has natively is like a um a fly. And I think it might be one of those flies that like lays its eggs in flesh. Oh. But it's like a fly eats them and then uh Venus fly traps. Oh man. So yeah. So they don't have a lot of natural predators even like where they normally live. Mm-hmm. And then obviously wherever they're going, they just fuck everything up because they're super aggressive and they will kill all the other species of ants and then just take over. So Yeah. And they apparently breed like crazy. Yeah, no so, kidding. Jeez. I don't know that I was maybe this is normal for ants. I know with bees, like you don't usually get more than one queen, right? And then a new one is born and makes a new nest. But this one apparently like there, there are multiple queens in yeah, each colony that then exactly. Spread. And that's how they spread so, so quick. Cause yeah. Yeah. Oof, not fun. And then wherever it lands, you know, so if it lands on a passing truck, lands on a passing truck. If it lands, you know, if there's a good wind and it gets carried a few miles away, and then yeah, who knows? So yeah. But yeah, I definitely remember this being a thing when I was a kid. Yeah. And, Cause I lived like in the central Valley where there are already like ants, you'd have ant problems anyway. So it would be a place where they could definitely really take hold. Mm-hmm. And so it was a big thing. So I think it was funny. They were like, they're spreading to Texas and then they're going to go to California. It's like, Oh, who fucking cares about New Mexico and Arizona? They're going to go to California. <laughs> so yeah. Well, they're going to yeah. reach the coast, <laughs> you know, manifest yeah. ant destiny. Yeah. Well, and also just people are like, California. Oh, no, not California. So, but yeah, I do. But yeah, I I was curious because I was like, okay, like with the 70s stuff, right? It's always like, oh, like with the killer bees. Like, okay, killer bees mm-hmm. are still like a thing, but they're not like what they were made out to be. And I guess in a way, these are also like still a thing, but not made out like they didn't swarm the country. We're not all in fear of fire ants. Right. When we walk around. But I mean, they are still a thing. And apparently they, can't really still like stop them so but they have been able to i guess they haven't spread as much as they thought so that's good yeah that is good well that's a happy note (laughs) yay i love to end on happy notes yep i want to rewatch is hosted by tori and nick and recorded in collaboration with black cat and orange tuxedo studios episode production design and editing is by lazy and productions our music is dark science by david hillowitz and the truth is what we make of it by the agrarians i want to rewatch is where we talk about the x-files and x-files adjacent television and films if you like what we're doing check out our show notes for ways to support the podcast and of course tell a friend we'd love to have them join us speaking of which be sure to join us next time And together, we'll try to figure out how to kill some fucking ants. And also, (laughs) if the truth is still out there. Honestly, I'd rather find out how to kill the fucking ants because apparently nature's miracle works on house ants. (laughs) I don't think it would work on fire ants. Please don't go spray something at fire ants if you have them near you. Please don't. That's not a good idea. 
fire ants. They're named for their powerful burning sting. Painful burning sting. Oh, shit. <laughs> it's painful and powerful. 